Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Motives matters. And boy, we're going to talk about something you all want to talk about today. Patience. Oh, yes. How many of y'all love to wait? <laughs> well, God's going to teach us some powerful things today about this. Proverbs 14, 29 in the NIV. Everyone read it with me. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. So whoever's patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. You can be seated. I think that's an interesting passage of Scripture. Um, whoever is patient has understanding. In other words, when you show patience, when you know how to re- wait with a good attitude, you're showing that you have great understanding of the situation, of circumstance. But when you are quick-tempered, you're putting foolishness on display. Like you're showing to the world, hey, I'm a fool. You didn't like that? Okay, but it's true, amen? I read something this week that I thought was so funny. A man went to his doctor, and he's like, I don't know where else to turn to. He said, Doc, my wife has got such a horrible temper. It's so bad, and it's getting worse all the time. And the doctor said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, just, she just flies off the handle for no reason. I don't know what's going on. It just gets worse. It escalates, and she starts throwing things, and I don't know what to do. And the doctor said, well, I, I've got a cure for this. I've got a fix for this. She's got to do exactly what I tell you to do. And the, doctor said, uh, the man said to the doctor, okay, I'll do it. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you, when your wife, you can tell she's starting to get angry and get mad, I want you to just go get a bottle of water and fill your mouth up with water and just start swishing it around in your mouth. And the guy said, what? He said, yeah, just, I'm telling you, this will work. And so he goes home, and he's, his wife is, is, uh, is, is, is uh, get, starting to get angry. He can sense it, so he goes and gets him a drink of water, and he's swishing around his mouth, and, 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 and he does what the doctor tells him to do. And then later, about two weeks later, he comes back to the doctor, and he says, he looks refreshed. He looks like he's been born again. I mean, he is just so free and feels so great. And the doctor said, man, what, what's going on with you? He said, man, doc, you, what you said worked. He said, I don't understand it, but it worked. And the doctor said, well, tell me about it. And he said, well, my wife started really getting angry at me, and I went and got a bottle of water, and, and I started swishing it around and swishing it around. And, and I, didn't, I did exactly what you said. I didn't swallow it until she calmed down or left the room. And he said, he said, wow, that's great. And he said, yeah. He said, well, well how does a water do that? How does swishing around water in your mouth do that, that that makes it all better? He said, oh, it's not the water. It's the fact that your mouth is shut. Okay, y'all didn't, you weren't. Some of you, listen, some of you women should have been shouting, right? Like you should have been jumping around. I don't know what's wrong with you people. I tell a joke. My wife keeps telling me, it's because you're not funny. Okay. Patience truly is a virtue, though. Patience truly is a virtue. It really is. It's the ability to wait with a pure heart. With a good attitude. It's not easily moved, and it's willing to wait until fulfillment comes. Patient doesn't just let 
urgency shake its resolve. Or it doesn't allow reactionary people to cause it to overreact. It, it can outweigh any circumstance or situation. Patience is all about one word, resolve. I am resolved. I've got my mind made up. I will not be moved. Patience is the ability to keep your emotions in check, to regulate your life by faith and not by feelings. The ability to trust God and not be moved by what we see, but rather what we know to be true about Him. Not even what we know to be true about ourselves, but what we know to be true about Him. A quick-tempered person is the exact opposite. These people are driven by emotion. They rarely respond and almost always react. They are unstable, and they can only be counted on to create drama and to make situations worse for themselves and for others. Now, if you've ever been a quick-tempered person, you know that what I'm saying to you is the truth. And sometimes when we're quick-tempered, we... we Temper, we ask ourselves, why do things keep getting worse for me? I don't understand why things keep getting worse for me. It's because you're making them worse. Because you can't control your emotions, you're being led by your feelings. And, 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 and let me just say, and I just want to make one disclosure as we get into this proverb and study this out today. I want to make one disclosure. I'm not just talking about boisterous people. There are people that are quick-tempered but don't make a loud noise. They don't yell and scream and get mad. They just stew and get angry inside until ultimately explode or take it out on someone else. It's the difference between people who bring water to a fire and people who bring gasoline to a fire. Have you ever worked with somebody or had somebody in your family or been around somebody or maybe you were that somebody that when something was bad, you made it worse, like you like it was a fire brewing and you're like, oh, somebody's got to do something. You grabbed the wrong can and brought gas and the thing just blew up in your face. Emotionally, we do this all the time and we do it because instead of responding in faith and trusting God, we react with our emotions because we convince ourselves that we know what's right better than everybody else does. They have no internal regulator and they're conflicted all the time. It's a miserable life. It's a roller coaster of emotion. It's never satisfied and they're uncomfortable unless they're creating discomfort. And it's also the difference between trusting God or trying to control everything ourselves. You know, when we, when we can learn to be patient is when we're truly in that place of trusting God. Saying, God, I've prayed about this. God, I'm believing you for this. God, I know you see this situation. And it's the ability to go, I can trust him to do what he says in his word. He'll do it. It's like Abraham and Sarah. The Bible said that they stayed true to what God told them because they believed that he who promised was faithful to do what he said. And when we get quick-tempered or when we get impatient or when we get uh, try to take control of situations, what we are in essence saying is, God, I trust myself more than I trust you. It really is the truth. Somebody say amen. I love what Arnold Glasgow says. He said, the key to everything is patience. The key to everything is patience. You get the chicken by allowing it to hatch, not by smashing it. You get the chicken by allowing the egg to hatch, not by smashing the egg. There was this young man who was um, very angry all the time. Stephen, why don't you join me up here and we'll, uh, wherever you're at. There he is. So there's a young man who is always angry. 
He was he lost his temper all the time. His dad was a rancher and and his son was working with his dad and and he was always losing his temper. He's always getting mad. He was always getting angry. He was always doing things, flying off the cuff. Anybody that did anything he didn't like, he'd just jump on him. He's getting angry with him. He's quick-tempered. Anytime somebody said something he didn't like, he'd lose his temper. Or anytime something would happen to him, he would lose his temper. And he was just always doing this. And his dad was trying to figure out, what am I going to do to teach my son how to keep control of his temper? So he decided to tell him, here's what I want you to do. Son, every time you lose your temper, here's what you have to do. Because if you're going to work with me this has got to stop and here's what I want you to do every time you lose your temper I want you to go nail a nail in the fence so that's what he did go ahead he started he he, he went and he he went through the day and it got about 10 o'clock and he was got something made him mad and he just flew off the handle and he got mad at everybody and he he just got mad and so he said oh man now I gotta go so he'd go nail into the fence and then he did that Several times. They lost his temper. He lost his temper and he kept doing it every day. And he'd go put a nail in the fence and another nail in the fence and another nail in the fence until finally he started realizing, man, it is a lot easier if I just calm myself down and quit losing my temper than it is to have to go over there and nail nails in the fence. So now he had like 39 nails in the fence, but each day it got less and less and less. And less. And as it got towards the end and he started learning how to calm himself down, he, 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 he had a day it was just one nail in the fence. And he was so proud. And he said, tomorrow's the day. I'm not going to have to nail one nail in the fence. And, and he does it. He goes the whole day and he doesn't lose his temper. And the dad says, he goes to his dad and he says, look, I just want you to say I had one day without putting a nail in the fence. And he said, that's awesome, son. I'm so proud of you. He said, now here's what I want you to do. Every day, every day that you don't do it every day now from from here on out i want you if you don't uh if you don't lose your temper i want you to go pull a nail out of the fence that you put in and so he started one day and then two days and then three days and then four days and then five days and then six days and he just finally got all 39 nails out of the fence and he was so excited and he went to his dad and he said dad come and see Come and see the fence. Now, I don't know if you could see this, but I hope you can. He said, come and see the fence, Dad. Look, all the nails are out. And so he went over and saw the fence, and he said, let's look at it, son. He said, I'm so glad that you stopped losing your temper. He said, I'm so glad that you got a hold of that and got control of your emotions. And I'm so glad that you were able to keep it that way. And that all the damage that you did has been removed. But he said, I want you to take a look at the fence. He said, the fence will never be the same. Even though you've learned your lesson. And even though you've removed the nails. And even though you've changed the situation. You've done damage to the fence. And what that boy learned that day was. You can even rectify what you've done, but when you are quick-tempered, thank you so much, Stephen, give him a big hand. When you're quick-tempered to, to jump off the handle, to assume the worst, to make quick judgments, and to get angry when people don't meet your standards, and to be always tied up and stirred up, the Bible is teaching us here, look, that's no way to live. And what you're doing is you're putting 
foolishness on display and you're hurting other people. Now, I know that we live in a time where everybody's hurt. <laughs> everybody's hurt all the time and offended all the time and everything like that. But we need, to not, we need to understand we don't like that and we don't like people being so easily offended and you can't say anything to anybody anymore or they might take it wrong and get it. I realize that. But we cannot allow the problem of that. We cannot allow the problem of that to make us realize or to make us think that there's not still a problem when we lose our temper and say things we shouldn't and do things we shouldn't, that it's not hurting people because it really is hurting people. And you might say, well, I'm sorry. And I know so many people that get an abusive cycle and they're constantly saying they're sorry and I wish I hadn't done it. But after a while, after a while, your fence is full of holes and you're like, I, 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 I can't keep doing this. And so what the Bible is teaching us is no longer be a person who just allows that kind of emotional eruption in your life, but let God do a work in your heart that changes you and who you are. Amen. James 1:19, the Amplified Version says this, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear, be careful, thoughtful listener, <laughs> Let's everybody read that together, that little in the parentheses there. Be a careful, thoughtful listener. One more time, just for, just for our education and edification. Be a careful, thoughtful listener. Slow to speak. A speaker of carefully chosen words and slow to anger. Patient, reflective, forgiving. So what I want to do is I want to teach you today something that's very important to your life. And that is this. I want to teach you how to live an actively patient life. You know, the Bible says there's a blessing on people who are patient. Isaiah tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. And then the old song tells us, teach us, Lord, to wait. And when we live in a society and a culture that is so bound up in now, it's very hard for us to go against that culture and learn to wait. But everything worth having is something it's worth waiting for. Everything that we do in life to succeed, everything we do in our life to achieve, everything we do in our life to make a difference takes Time. Everybody say that word with me, time. Nothing happens overnight. It takes time for us to change. It takes time for us to achieve. It takes time for us to see relationships get better. It takes time for us to work through problems. It takes time. But when we live in a society that is so bent on having everything right now, it is very hard sometimes to actually take time. Sometimes we get frustrated in our spiritual development because we want it to happen right now. I wish I, wish I wasn't like this anymore. I wish I didn't have this problem anymore. And God is working that out in you, but you got to give him a chance. you got to give yourself a chance. you got to be patient with the process of what God's doing in your life. Some of us are so, we're so committed to fast that we want, we're, not even, we're not even willing to start the process if it's not going to happen immediately. I know people who are in marriages struggling in their marriage and going back and forth and they just, they come in to want to talk and then their all their language is hopeless. All their language is it's over. All their language is there's nothing. And it's really not because it is as much as it is because 
they are not willing to go through the process it's going to take and the time it's going to take to get it back where it needs to be. See, we just don't like to wait. You know who else doesn't like to wait? Toddlers. Toddlers don't like to wait. We took Lindley to the zoo in Oklahoma City this, uh, on Friday. And, and, and I, we just love the zoo in Oklahoma City. I took my girls there all growing up. And I, thought, I said, before this summer's over, I'm going to take Lindley. So we ran up there uh, really quick. And we went to the zoo on Friday and saw Janae's mom and spent a little time with family and came back. And Lindley just aggravated me the whole time. She just frustrated me the whole time. She's, well, she's the best kid. I love that baby. she got so much energy, so much creativity. But when she saw something, she'd seen it. I've seen it. Next. So we would be trying to look. I'd say, look, Lindley, look at how the thing is. And she'd look and she'd go, all right, let's go to the next thing. And I'm like, no, watch, pay attention, observe. She just, she, her goal for the zoo was not my same goal for the zoo. Hers, her goal for the zoo was we're seeing it all, right? I mean, we're not missing anything, and we're going for it 100% until we get it all done. And then even when we're ready to leave, I'm going to say there's more to see. I want to stay. And that's just the way a toddler thinks. They want it. They want it now. That's natural for a toddler to think that way. You know it's not natural to think that way? Adults. Because we've lived enough life experience to understand how life works. That everything isn't handed to you on a platter. And it doesn't happen really fast. And all things that are effective and good usually take some time to accomplish. But what happens is when we live in a world that says we want it and we want it now, then it opens the door for irritation and for flying off the handle and for getting angry over things. I dare to say that there are people in this room right now, Christians, believers that are love Jesus and trying to serve God, find yourself angry and not even knowing why. After the two or three years that we've gone through just recently, I, I, I think to myself, sometimes I feel anxious. And, I, and anxious a lot of times leads to anger and frustration and fear. And so we've got to be careful as believers that we don't allow ourselves to be caught up in this world of, you know, quick emotions and caught up in this world of it's got to happen now. Or caught up in this world of trusting ourselves and our situation more than we do our God. Because it's not about believing, listen, it's not about believing what we can do or what man can do or what our circumstances can do. It's about believing what God is capable of doing. And we serve a God who is capable of doing anything. The Bible is very clear that nothing, everyone say the word with me, nothing, nothing, say it again, nothing is impossible with God. Now, either we believe the Bible or we don't believe the Bible. And the Bible very clearly says in Psalms that we serve a limitless God, that nothing is impossible with him, that all things are possible to them who believe that nothing is impossible with God. So if we really believe God, then when we get in those moments of waiting and those moments of necessary patience, we need to stop trying to rush out of that and make things happen and force things to happen because we're tired of waiting because we're what we're going to do is end up in a mess where God was just... I can't tell you how many times I've seen God was just about to do something in someone's life and an opportunity was about to open up, but instead... They they just rushed off because they just couldn't wait. Turn to your neighbor and say, learn to wait. 
I don't know about you, but I love that idea. I'm not a big fan of waiting, but I like the idea of uh, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And if you're over 50, you know what I'm talking about. Renew my strength. Sydney, I mean, Lindley was just going 90 to 90. I was like, if I could have 10% of her energy, it would just be so awesome. They that wait on the Lord shall have their strength renewed. They shall mount up like on wings like eagles. They will run, I mean, walk and not be weary, run and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait because I want that in my life. I want that effervescent love of God working in my life. I want that effervescent power and presence of God working in my life. So how do I live an actively patient life? Number one, you're going to love this. It's, listen, aren't you loving... Aren't you loving this series in Proverbs? I mean, God is teaching us so much out of the Proverbs of, about how our lives should really look and how it should really be. So the first one is be quick to hear. Everyone say be quick to hear. Patient people don't always have to be first to be heard. They actively listen to others they are thoughtful as they listen and careful as they speak. The word quick here, quick to hear, doesn't mean hurry to listen. It means hurry, excuse me, it doesn't mean listen fast. It means to hurry up and listen. In other words, when you're in a situation or circumstances, you should be, you should be very fast at just stopping and listening. You don't, un, you don't gain understanding if you're not listening. I listened to a leadership uh, uh, talk the other day. It was very good. And, he, and, and the leader that was talking said, he said, when he starts a conversation with his team, he always starts a, a phrase or a question, and then he listens to everyone around the table, what they have to say about what he's wanting to talk about. And the reason he does this is because, first, he doesn't want to always be the first one to speak. And secondly, he wants to hear the thoughts of the other people on the team because now when he states his thoughts, he has the, the benefit of what others contributed to that thought. And so sometimes we rush in, we speak so fast, we communicate so fast, we don't wait and listen. And, and what happens is we don't have the understanding we should to make good decisions or to change things or any of that. Patient people don't have to do that. They, don't, they can wait. And great people of patience and leadership are people who can hold on to their emotions. They can hold on to what they think. They don't have to be heard all the time. They don't have to be at the front of the table. They don't have to be lifting their hands. You remember, how many of y'all remember Welcome Back Carter? How many of y'all remember that show? You remember Welcome Back Carter? Come on, raise your hand if you don't make me feel alone up here like I'm an old man. How many of you do not know what I'm talking about when I say Welcome Back Carter? Raise your hand. You... I just feel so old sometimes. Y'all didn't even watch Nick, Nick at Night. So, Welcome Back Carter, there was this one student on Welcome Back Carter, his name was Horshack. And he always had the answer to every question. He's like, me, 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 like that. He was like that. He was just crazy and an idiot. And so, he was funny and made the show funny. But the truth is, sometimes we always feel that way. We feel like, I've got to be heard. I've got to be heard. My opinion needs to be heard. I need everybody to hear what I have to say. I need to be heard. And when we, if we're going to learn to be the kind of people who are that people of understanding and patience, then we have to begin to practice those kinds of things in our life. Let me tell you what, what, what this will change. This will change 
change the relationship with your spouse in a positive way. This will change the relationship with your friends in a positive way. Jesus was walking the road to Emmaus. How many of you would agree with me that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That Jesus doesn't need to ask us any questions. Jesus doesn't need to hear our opinion. How many of you would agree with that? I, I, Jesus is all in all. He is amazing. He has all power, all knowledge, all everything. But he always did what when he was walking on this earth? What did he always do? He asked questions. And when he had been resurrected from the dead and he was walking among a couple of the disciples, you've heard it called the walk to Emmaus. And on the road to Emmaus, these two disciples of Jesus were walking and they were upset and they were frustrated and he just appears out of nowhere. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 17 through 20. What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And Cleopas asked the Lord, Are you only a visitor of Jerusalem to, to, to not know the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus, how many of y'all know Jesus knew what happened? He was there for the whole thing. But what does he say to them? What things? That's great. Why do you need to ask? Just tell us, Jesus. But Jesus is exemplifying to us here how that walk of grace looks, how that walk of wisdom looks. That he doesn't shove his way in to try to force people to understand him, yet he asks questions to get people interest and understanding up so that he can then give the answer and the resolution to what the situation is. And that's how we need to be. The second thing we need to do is what the scripture tells us, be slow to speak. So the word slow here is that same indicator don't be in a hurry to state your opinion. Now, this is another problem we have with social media because social media has conti continually makes of primary importance your opinion. That more than anything, you need to say what you think and then see how many people liked it and how many people hated it and who you're going to argue with and who you're not. That's what social media is in a nutshell. And, and that has created this this thinking in us that the most important thing for us to do is state our opinion immediately. That we need to talk first and fast and not even breathe so no one else has an opportunity to talk. Or when someone else is talking, you talk over them. Now, you guys, many of you know that I've, I've diagnosed with ADHD, and so this is a problem for me because sometimes with ADHD, the executive functions of your brain don't always work like they should, and so sometimes if, I'm, if it feels like I'm, I'm having to wait too long for you to say something, I'll just talk. And I have had to learn over lots of years to stop doing that. In our family, sometimes we'll all, we all have this problem in our family, as I'm sure you do. We, we will be around the table, and then we'll all say, just stop. Everyone, stop talking, because we're all saying what we think. And you say, well, what does this have to do with losing your temper and being quick-tempered and being foolish? It has to do with it in this way. If we discipline ourselves according to the principles of the Word of God, to be fast, quick, to hear others, and to be slow, to constantly be speaking, then what happens is it creates an environment where we are responding to things, not reacting to things. It creates an environment where we are able to lead people into a place of goodness and grace instead of away from those things. I haven't always been a thoughtful person. And I've had seasons that I didn't think before I spoke. 
As I've gotten older, I've learned to... (laughs) I've learned to value being thoughtful and not always saying things unless they need to be said. I've learned to carefully choose my words. Words have weight and they carry culture on their backs. If if you don't want a certain culture in your family, then you need to watch how you're speaking. Because as you speak repetitively over and over in your family, you are creating a culture. So if you're constantly losing your temper and you're constantly speaking too much and you're constantly saying your opinion all the time, you're creating that culture in your family, which will create conflict in your family. And I've learned to start trying my best to change that and walk in the grace of God. So if, in other words, the atmosphere of your family, your work, your relationships, your purpose in God are all established by what comes out of your mouth. It's the idea of slowing down and responding instead of hurrying up and reacting. Are you guys with me? Now, I know that this is very practical today, and I'm not talking about some kind of ethereal spiritual thing, but if you can learn this, and if we together can learn this, this is life-changing for your relationships. It's life-changing for your home. It's life-changing for your life and, and, the, and, and, and the ability for you to enjoy life or not. So the last thing is this. Number three, slow to anger. Don't be in a hurry to show your anger. Don't be quick-tempered. Patient, reflective Forgiving. It's interesting how these words fit hand in glove. A person of understanding and emotional discipline doesn't get in a hurry. They're not driven by the pressure of busyness or urgency or the expectations of others. And they're also willing to forgive. The truth is that the only way for us to actually find ourselves growing in patience And let me just promise you, every single person, everyone raise your hand real quick. Raise raise your hand real quick. Everyone, raise your hand. Everybody, as high as you can. Okay, so everyone with the raised hands, you are the people who need to work on patience. Every single one of us need this in our life. But the truth is, the only way we can truly become the patient kind of person who trusts God no matter what the circumstances are, who trusts God no matter how hard it is to wait, who trusts God that God knows what's best and He knows what to do and how to do it, if we want to be those kind of people, there's only one way, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it on my own. Our flesh and carnal nature is always fighting against our spirit man to keep us from being patient. That's why you always feel like we gotta hurry. We gotta get to the next thing. We always gotta do something because there's something about the devil and busyness and moving fast and urgent all the time that he knows if he can keep us doing that, that we won't stop and be contemplative and think about the things we need to think about and behave in the ways we need to behave because we feel like we're, life is really moving and really doing something and really significant because it never stops. And the truth is, what this does, it says, stop. I want peace. Well, then you're going to have to learn to stop. I want joy in my life. Well, then you're going to have to learn to contemplate the word and wisdom of God. I want love in my life at a higher level. Well, that's not going to come by your physical, mental capabilities. It's going to come by the Spirit of God empowering you with the love of God, with the joy of God, with the grace of God. I mean, read it right here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 25. You see it on the screen. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, 
discord, jealousy. Uh-oh, he got out of the big ones and went into the small ones, didn't he? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us all keep in step with the Spirit. So how, how do I have peace? How do I keep myself in check? How do I make sure that I'm a person of wisdom and not foolishness? How do I make sure I'm a person of patience and not short-tempered? I do it by accessing the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. By saying, Jesus, I need you. I want all of you. I want everything your word has for me. I want you to fill me up with the presence and power of your Holy Spirit so that I can overcome sin and I can overcome problems and I can overcome annoyances. So why do we get angry in the first place? Why do we let anger rule our lives? And there is an anger that is righteous before God. But the, the apostle tells us that we should be angry but not sin. So there is a place in anger where it tips over into sinfulness. And that place is manipulation. That place is control. That place is when your emotions are out of control. So why do we get angry first? Well, it's, it's ugly in and of itself. What is anger? It's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. So here's what it is. Anger is a reaction to personal displeasure. It's that selfish. It's that, it's that silly. It's that petty. It's that small. Anger is a reaction to personal displeasure. It's the reaction we express when we're annoyed or we want to be hostile to someone. It's, the, it's, it's allowing feelings of annoyance, displeasure, and hostility to erupt out of us as a reaction to something we aren't pleased with. Well, aren't you special? It's the ultimate of letting ourselves be driven by our feelings to the point of actions that are harmful. It's the opposite of humility. It puts everyone below you and demands that they reach your expectations no matter if they're reasonable expectations or not. And then acting as judge, sentencing a person to your wrath because of the disparity of what you wanted from them and what they're doing instead. In other words, it makes you God and them just the lowly peasants that serve you. So how do we walk in understanding by being patient instead of the foolishness of being quick-tempered? Here's how we do it, by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in step with our carnal nature. How do we do that? We submit to the Spirit and surrender to His will. We get to that place in our relationship with God where we say, God, I see the world, I see the carnal nature, I see the flesh, I see all of it that's trying to have an effect on me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to walk your way. I'm going to follow in your paths. Amen. So patience is a virtue. It's a major component in acting with wisdom. Being quick-tempered is an invite to foolishness and also personal tragedy. We can live this life with patience, strength, and wisdom with the right ingredients in our lives. And what are they? Being quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
And when we learn these disciplines by the Spirit of God, it will change our attitudes and the results we get in our lives with our church community, our families, our friendships. It opens the door for wisdom to pour out of our lives. It, it opens the door for peace to pour out of our lives. It opens the door for, for confidence to pull out, pour out of our lives. Let's say no to a life that's out of control. Let's say no to negative emotions. Let's say no to a life, everybody say it, of drama. Turn to your neighbor and say, no drama. And let's say a lot, yes to a life of peace and wisdom. Amen. Amen. You know, this, the beginning point of this kind of wisdom, this kind of walking, is to have a relationship with Jesus. That's, that's where it all begins. And so the question is, do you know Jesus today? The question is, do you know Jesus today? Not, do you know about him? Not, are you a religious person? It is, do you know him personally? Because however incomprehensible he is, he's very knowable. We can have a relationship with him. And let me just say that that's where this starts. This is where the Holy Spirit gets involved in your life and can change what's going on in your mind, in your head, in your heart, and transform you. And if you're in that process and you've made that decision, be patient and just get into the Word and prayer and get around people who love Jesus and let them edify and speak to you. And you're going to see th that there's been some immediate changes in your life as this decision, but there's also going to be some gradual changes that are going to be so beautiful and wonderful. You were that caterpillar. You're going to become that butterfly. But it starts with Jesus. And it starts with the power of His Holy Spirit. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I just... Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.